Psalms chapter 92 verse 13 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those who serve faithfully in the kingdom receive handsome eternal wages, and we will be rewarded individually according to our own labor. So much is at stake, we can't take lightly our entrusted time here on earth. So in this excerpt, John Revere is speaking of our destiny, how to reach our destiny and achieve our destiny. And in the church or outside of the church, what you hear many people in the world is they try to find their purpose in life. They try to find their destiny in life. Even unsaved people, unchurched people believe in destiny. They believe they have a purpose and a calling for their life, and they seek this out. The same thing is true for Christians. Many Christians feel the same way. They wonder, God, what is my destiny? What is my calling? They oftentimes find themselves feeling empty in their walk with God, with uncertainty about their calling. But the question for these people is, are they just simply waiting around for God to smack them with their calling, to show up at their doorstep and say, here's what you're going to do, now get up and do it? Or are we ready to seek what God has for us and work for the destiny he has for us? Our text this morning from the book of John, chapter 1, verse 42, is the first encounter that Peter has with Jesus Christ. His brother uh, brings him to Jesus and says, We found the Messiah. And the text says this, He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall now be called Cephas, which means Peter. This morning I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, The Process of Destiny. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for meeting with us in this place this morning. God, I ask, Lord, that your spirit, God, would touch us. God, that, that you would speak clearly to our hearts and our minds. God, that you would break down any walls and barriers that we may have uh, this morning within us, Father. That you would just move powerfully, Father. That you would speak, God, by your spirit, God, not by my words or by my intellect, God, but by your power alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So first I want to speak about the existence in life of having no destiny or having no direction. Now, we never do at any point in our life have no destiny, but we may feel this way. And this may have been where Peter felt at this point in his life. You could consider up until this point Peter was living in the B.C. before Christ, before he had heard of the Messiah, before he had even believed that he was here on earth. And at this point in Peter's life, he has no cause or direction for the kingdom of God. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean he was unhappy with his life. But at this point, he wasn't doing anything for the kingdom of God. He may have wondered, what is it that God wants me to do with my life? Am I doing what God wants me to do with my life? He may have been doing no good and having no direction. We know that he was a fisherman. But what else about his life was going on? We don't know if he had struggles or temptations or, or downfalls. But what we do know is up until this point, up until this encounter with Jesus Christ, he did not have a destiny in God. Maybe Peter was happy with his life. Maybe a fisherman was what he always wanted to be. Daddy, someday I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a fisherman. I'm going to get a big boat and a big net and I'm going to catch so many fish. Maybe he loved it. Maybe he was living it up. Maybe he was wealthy in his profession. Maybe he didn't see any need for a change in his life. We encounter many people like this in outreaches. We try to tell them that they need Jesus, and they're like, well, I don't really feel like I need Jesus. Um, life is pretty good right now. You know, they got the, all the things that they've always wanted to work for. Or maybe Peter at this point in his life wasn't very happy with his life. Maybe he wanted to amount to more than a fisherman. Maybe he didn't even like the job. Maybe he just grew up in it, and his dad said, listen, son, this is what you're going to do with your life, and he didn't even like fish. 
He prefers chicken. Fish stink. He, does, he gets seasick. He wasn't very happy with his career. We don't know. We don't really know how Peter felt about his life. And the same thing is true for any person that we interact with before they've had an encounter with Christ. Are they happy with their life or are they miserable? Where are they at? Maybe they're indifferent. But up till this point, whether Peter was expecting it or not, when he had his encounter with Jesus Christ, Jesus put a call on his life in this moment. Let's read our text one more time. It says, He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. You see, this, as I said, is Peter's first encounter with Jesus. His brother brings him to Jesus, claiming that they found the Messiah. And then Peter comes to see this guy, and the first thing out of his mouth, he says, I know your name already, but I'm changing it. Okay. Imagine meeting somebody for the first time, even somebody who you're expecting to be of high stature, and they say, uh, yeah, your name's Jerry. Well, now you're going to be Stephen. I'm like, what? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? You see, the word Peter, the name Peter, is defined as rock. And in this moment, Jesus is placing a calling on his life, but most likely, Peter was just kind of like, okay, I don't Peter didn't have any clue what that meant. You're calling me a rock? Like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Are you saying I'm dumb as rocks? <laughs> what does that mean? You see, Jesus puts a calling on Peter's life right here in this moment. But Peter has no clue what it means. And sometimes we can feel this way. When we have encounters with Jesus Christ, we feel him speak something into our life. We're like, man, God just told me something. But I have no idea what. <laughs> Jesus just spoke clearly to me, but I have no clue what it means. And it's, it's interesting to read this text because Jesus changes the name of Peter, but the story ends right there. There's the conversation as far as the gospel records it, stops right here. We have no idea how Peter reacts. I mean, he's introduced to him as the Messiah. So Peter might be like, all right, the Messiah changed my name. I have no clue what it means, but I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's a good thing. Or maybe he was uncertain. Maybe he thought it was kind of strange. But what we do know is this was the beginning. This was Peter's encounter with Jesus Christ. And this was the beginning of Peter's path to, at this point, an unknown destiny. He received his call from Jesus Christ without having any idea what it will lead to or what it means. Did, did Peter embrace the name change? I mean, if he believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and Jesus changes his name, he probably was walking a little, you know. I mean, Jesus not only did he know my name before I talked to him, he changed my name. That must mean I'm important, right? Maybe he started to get a little puffed up about it. Maybe he was confused. Maybe he's like, okay, well, I guess I got to make new business cards for my fisherman gig, but... All right, I mean, this guy's a big deal. I guess I'll, I'll roll with it. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm Peter now, okay? Maybe he was doubtful. Maybe he thought, man, what, who does this guy think he is? I've been, I've been known as Simon my whole life. I can't just, I'm an adult. I can't just change my name. People aren't going to pick up on it. People aren't going to just start calling me. Like, who does he think he is? I, I kind of like being called Simon. It's got a ring to it. Simon the Fisherman. I have all my business cards made up with my name on there. I can't just change it. Or maybe he just kind of thought, well, okay, that was weird, and then moved on with his life. And then didn't even really, maybe he, he didn't even think about it. He's like, okay, that's just one of those crazy people you run into, and you, and you go on. You see, there is no encounter, no documentation of the relationship between Peter and Jesus after this moment until Jesus calls him to be a disciple. It's interesting to think about. 
But when Jesus does call him to be a disciple, we know that at this point, Peter is still a fisherman. So this first interaction with Jesus didn't really change the trajectory of his life very drastically. Maybe he started going by Peter. Maybe he didn't. But he didn't quit his job. He didn't devote everything to the ministry in that moment. But there was a change in trajectory for Peter. What took place between Peter and Jesus, between this point and Jesus calling him to be a disciple, was it literally nothing like the Gospels document? Probably not. Most likely they had some type of relationship. They had spoken to each other here and there. Maybe he became, Jesus became, Jesus was a rabbi. Maybe he regularly attended Bible studies that Jesus was holding. Maybe he got counseling and leadership from Jesus from this point forward. Or maybe it was more casual and they just kind of fellowshiped every now and then. They would break bread together. We don't really know. But what we do know is Jesus changed the course of Peter's life with a very simple and small word. Now, how about us? How about our first interactions with Jesus? Many times, not always, but many times our first interactions with Jesus are very subtle, maybe even confusing, maybe even make us more confused than we already were. How many know before Jesus we were pretty confused? We might not have thought we were, but we were. Maybe Jesus spoke something into your life and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm moving on. Or maybe you embraced it, having no clue, but you wanted to understand. We can find ourselves in this situation just like Peter did. Even after we're saved, Jesus can speak small little things into us and we have no clue what it means. But will we allow Jesus to change the course of our life through these things? But when Jesus does call Peter to be a disciple, to follow him in his ministry, something happens to Peter that needs to happen to all of us in one way or another. Let's read the text from Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 11. This is when Jesus officially calls Peter to be a disciple, to follow him in his ministry. It says uh, of Jesus, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your, night, your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. Side note, he calls him Master, which indicates he probably had some type of relationship with him between the two inter- inter- interactions. But anyway, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. In other words, we ain't caught nothing tonight. We caught no fish. We made no money. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both, of, uh, both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they had left everything and followed him. So in this encounter, Jesus reveals to Peter just how powerful he is. Or at least a small portion of his power. But the way it takes place is Jesus gives Peter a very simple command. Cast out your nets. One more time. Not only is it a simple command, it's contrary to Peter's logic. Think about this. Jesus, if you know, was raised as a carpenter. 
He maybe could build a fishing boat, but he was no fisherman. Peter is the expert fisherman, and Jesus tells him how to do his job. <laughs> Think about this. They haven't caught anything all day. They're defeated. They haven't, this is their living. So no fish means no money. Peter says, Master, we have not caught anything today. His command to Peter makes no sense. It may have even annoyed him a little bit. We're ready to call it a day, Jesus. <laughs> Go home and try again tomorrow. But he obeys. He says, Master, at your word, I will let down the nets. In his mind, he knows Jesus is no fisherman. Jesus doesn't know, you know, the ins and outs of catching fish for a living, but he says, you know what? I have faith in your command. Jesus, we will do it. So as I just read, what takes place is they cast out the nets, and what they find out is maybe Jesus is no fisherman, but he is the creator of all the fish. Jesus might not have ever caught a fish in his life. We don't know. But he commands the seas. He commands the fish. How many know if you're in charge of the fish, you can catch a fish? <laughs> and so through this simple act of obedience, even when it made no sense, and that's the important part, I want you guys to get from this message, even when it makes no sense, we have to obey Jesus. We have to listen to his commands. God, what you're telling me to do, what you're asking me to do in this situation, God, you're asking me of 10% of my income when I need 120% of my own income. I don't have enough money already. When it doesn't make sense is when it is most crucial to obey the voice of God. What might have happened? What would have taken place? What if, Je what if Peter said, listen, Jesus, okay, I get it. You're optimistic. You're Mr. Optimistic. You think maybe if we try one more time, we've been doing this all day. I do this for a living. The fish are in bed. They're gone. They're taking a day off. It's the fish Sabbath, whatever. <laughs> Jesus, we're going to dock this thing and we're going to call it a day. But thanks for, thanks for the encouragement. What if that happened? Would this story even be documented? Would we even know Peter's name? Sure, Jesus changed his name a few chapters ago. But would that part have even been left out in the Gospels because it ended up being an irrelevant encounter? Because through Peter's faithfulness, through Peter's obedience to Jesus Christ, resulted in a miraculous catch of fish. But even more importantly, it resulted in a crucial step towards Peter's destiny in God. You see, the fish didn't matter at the end of it. You read the last verse, and it says, And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. The catch of a lifetime. And they left it on the shore and followed Jesus. The fish didn't matter anymore. God in the flesh was before them and saying, listen, you're rolling with me now. They said, all right, these fish don't mean that whatever. Hey, you over here, come take, you want these fish? They're yours. We're with this Jesus guy. It was through a simple, illogical obedience to the word of God that changed drastically. See, this is from a in drastic, like the first situation, we don't really know how it changed the course, but this right here, Peter becomes a disciple. Now his life is changed forever. He forsook his profession. He quit his job on the spot, dropped the nets, boom, we're out. It's a big act of faith. His destiny in God is more clear than it's ever been, but yet there's still a lot of questions to be asked. Jesus tells him, from now on you will be catching men, or some translations, as I like it, kind of make it a pun, says from now on you will be fishing for men. These little fish, they're going to continue to swim in the sea, but you got souls 
that I have placed in your path for you to catch for my kingdom. It's as if Jesus is telling him, I caught you, and now you've caught your destiny. And now your calling is to catch these men, to catch these other people, to help them achieve their destiny as well. That's a big calling. You see, it's through this miracle, through this situation that he is convinced, I need to follow Jesus Christ. I'm ready to drop it all like that for the glory of God, for my destiny to fulfill my calling. Church, each and every one of us needs a moment like this to take place. It will look different. I'm not aware of any of you guys that are fishermen that go out in the sea with big nets. It might be less miraculous. You might not have you know, the most insane thing happen to you. But what is important, the crucial elements of this story is that Jesus gave a command that made no sense. But through his faith in Jesus Christ, he obeyed. And through that happening, Jesus reveals to him just how powerful he is. Like I said, God, I need 120% of my income, and you're asking for 10% of what I do have? Okay. I'm going to put it in. And then God moves. God does things. God, gas prices are high. And you want me to drive to Yakima for an impact team? <laughs> but then that quarter of a tank got you all the way to Spokane some, or Yakima somehow. Or whatever it is, whatever it looks like. It doesn't even have to do anything with church. God, this career, this job, this education is interfering with what you want me to do. You want me to quit it? This education is supposed to earn me big bucks someday. The overtime is breaking in the dough. But Jesus says, no, I have more for you than fish. They're just stinky fish. Peter couldn't take the fish with him to heaven. He couldn't take the income from the fish into heaven either. He obeys and Jesus reveals to him the magnitude of who he is and what he wants to do with his life. And the same thing is true for each and every one of us. We will come to a point where Jesus will ask of us something, and when we obey, he will show to us who he really is and what he can do, and that he wants to do something with our lives. So this encounter with Jesus, this situation, Jesus changes Peter's name. This is Jesus getting involved. He says, listen, you might not understand this now. It might be years before you understand this, but we're going to change course just a little bit. I'm on your radar now. And this happens when we outreach to people. Sometimes we might never see that person again, but the seed that we planted through the power of Jesus Christ may have changed the course of their life forever. And they may end up saved in another church and praise God for that. I want our church to grow, but ultimately I want the kingdom of heaven to grow. But it's through these first encounters that we begin to slowly see ourselves moving towards Christ. And then eventually Jesus says, okay, now is the time. Now is the time. Do this. And you're going to go, what? It's a pivotal moment. And there will not be only one. It will be time and time again where Jesus challenges us to trust him in who he is. That the things he's telling you, the things he's showing you, don't make sense. But he simply asks that you will step out in faith, in obedience to his word. Peter does this and he tells him, I will make you a fisher of men. In other words, your calling is in the ministry. This is what he tells him. And then when we do the same thing, he says, I will make you a, insert your destiny here. I don't know your destiny. If God speaks it directly to me, I'll let you know. But for the most part, that's between you and God. And when he reveals it to you, he's not going to reveal to you the finish line. It's never that easy. 
and it shouldn't be. Honestly, the finish line for Peter was dying as a martyr, hung upside down on a cross. Think about how weak he is at his faith in this point. He would have walked away. I'm not saying we're all going to die as martyrs, but I'm not going to say we're not either. (laughs) But the end game oftentimes is too intimidating for us. We have to allow God to build us up today. And tomorrow, we have to allow God to work on who we are right now. Church, has God given you a call in your life? Has God put a destiny on your life? If the answer is no, then I encourage you to seek it. I encourage you to look for it. Listen for God's instructions and then obey what he tells you to do. You do this by digging into the word of God. The Bible is an endless resource for us. Do not take it for granted. We do this through prayer. We do this through counsel. Listen, if you're trying to process through things, I'm here to talk. My wife is here to talk. We are probably going to point you to scripture and prayer because we are not God. But church, if you feel like you do not know your destiny in Jesus Christ, I encourage you, you must seek it. You must look for it and obey when Jesus tells you to do that one thing that you're like, that's not going to work. And if you have, if you do feel like you know your destiny, then the answer is almost the same as if you don't. Continue to seek God. Continue to listen for further instructions. Continue to dig into the Word of God. Cultivate that prayer life. Seek the counsel. Listen for the Holy Spirit to instruct you and obey His Word. You see, Jesus' call for Peter to be a fisher of men, He calls him into uh, into discipleship, into the ministry, But it's important to understand and important to know that it was not clear sailing for Peter. It wasn't like, okay, God gave me my call and everything goes smoothly from here. It didn't go that way at all. Peter responds to Jesus' call to follow him. And the Gospels, if you read them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels record the life of Jesus Christ and his disciples that follow him and many people that they encounter. So you hear about many different stories of the disciples, including Peter. And if you've read the Gospels, you know that Peter's experience as a disciple was not perfect. The man made some mistakes. I mean, this guy's an apostle, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And there's some stories that you hear that will make you go, what? Even I know he shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Right? You see, he wasn't perfect. He made many mistakes along the way, as we all will. And you read the Gospels, and you see several times where Peter misunderstands the teachings of Jesus. Jesus will tell a parable, and Peter goes, Huh? Can you explain that? Because that made no sense. On the Mount of Transfiguration, an amazing experience, Peter decides, you know what, I need to pipe in right now. I need to give my two cents on what's going on. And it's like, bro, do you have any clue what's going on? And if you don't know what the Mount of Transfiguration is, this is when Jesus reveals his glory and his magnitude to him, to Peter and two other disciples. They go up on the mountain and Jesus' appearance changes to be more like God and Moses and Elijah appear. Before them. This is an amazing experience. Something's incredibly supernatural. And Peter goes, Hey, I've got an idea. Let's build some tents so we can hang out here a little longer. I can only imagine the other two disciples that were with him, like, Bro, shut up. Don't you see what's going on here? Three of the heroes, Jesus Christ and two heroes of the Old Testament, are before him in a supernatural thing. And he goes, I think I have something good to add to this. How arrogant, right? He resisted Jesus washing his feet. When Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples, he was trying to teach his disciples something. Listen, if you want to be a leader, you need to be a servant. 
Jesus Christ, the greatest leader of all time, came to earth to serve people. Washing of the feet was the lowest of servitude. And it was oftentimes not only the lowest of servitude, but it was a woman who would do it. But Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and Peter, he gets to Peter, and Peter goes, No, you can't wash my feet. I won't let you wash my feet. You are too amazing. You're too awesome. You're too godly. He thinks he's proving a point. He thinks he's being better than all the other disciples by saying, uh-uh, I won't accept this. I know who you are. But Jesus says, no, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you will have no part of me. He's trying to teach his disciples, if you want to lead people, if you want to lead people into the kingdom, you need to serve them. You need to be willing to lower yourself below them. The lesson goes right over his head. He even, think about this, Peter rebuked Jesus. <laughs> the perfect one, the, the guy who has no sin. Peter rebukes him. Jesus prophesies that he is going to be crucified. And Peter, it says Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him and said, Lord, you will not be crucified. I won't let it happen. <laughs> it's like, dude, have you not been paying attention? This is why he's here. Jesus says, and Jesus rebukes him. He says, get behind me, Satan. He calls Peter Satan in this moment. This is like, you re he rebuked Jesus. You read that and you're thinking, man, what is your deal? I mean, I get it. I wouldn't want him to be crucified either. That would be a difficult thing to swallow. But you don't rebuke Jesus. Like, chill out, man. Jesus asks him, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is hours before he's being arrested and taken to be crucified. And he takes Peter with him and he says, stay. This is the middle of the night. And he says, stay awake with me and pray for but an hour. And Jesus is, is going through it. If you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying. He says he even sweats droplets of blood because of the stress he's feeling. Because Jesus knows what he's about to go through. And he asks of Peter, he says, just pray with me for a moment. Just pray with me. Stay awake and pray with me. And what Jesus comes to find is that Peter fell asleep. He took a nap instead. After Jesus is arrested, Peter denies him three times. Even before a little servant girl. After Jesus is crucified, Peter just kind of feels defeated and he goes back to fishing. The mistakes of Peter in the gospel are oftentimes pointed out. And I wonder, why do we pick on him so much? Maybe it's because it was easy. Or maybe it was because God wanted to show us that even when we make big blunders, big mistakes, stupid decisions, that through all of that, God's calling on us stays the same. God's destiny for us doesn't change because we're dumb. Thank God for that. God's calling for us remains the same, but the question is, do we remain committed? Sometimes we feel defeated by our mistakes. And we feel like, man, God, I, I better give up on God because I'm sure God gave up on me by now. But you know what? After every single one of these mistakes, after every dumb thing that Peter did, he didn't just take off. He didn't just say, you know what? I can't do this. Time and time again, mistake after mistake. Jesus, you'll be better off without me. I'm going to go back. He didn't do that. He stayed the course. He remained in the will of God. And the same thing is true for us. We will make mistakes. We will have our blunders, but we must stay the course. We must stay true to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Our sight sees our flaws. Our sight sees the mistake. Our sight sees the letdowns. Our sight sees the shortcomings. And all of these things, our sight sees all the negative. But our faith looks to Christ. 
Our faith looks to God. Our faith looks to the rewards in heaven. Our faith puts trust in God that no matter how much we mess up, He still has a purpose for us. Our faith looks to Christ and we keep on walking forward no matter what. Proverbs 3, 6, In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. That doesn't say work really hard and be good and you will make your own path straight. In all your ways acknowledge Him. This is even right after a blunder, right after a mistake. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. We are not perfect, but He is. We must look to Christ through all things. And then He can work it out despite our mistakes. Thank God. Thank God for that, that He will work things out in us even though we mess up. What a gracious God we follow. And you read, uh, you, you read the Gospels and you read the book of Acts and you also see that Peter did some amazing things along the way. God used Peter in some amazing ways. I mean, he had his name changed by Jesus. I admit, that's pretty cool. <laughs> if Jesus came to me and said, changed my name, I wouldn't even care if I liked it or not. I'd be like, Jesus changed my name. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> Jesus Christ, talk to me, change my name. That's a cool, I mean, that's awesome, right? Maybe, maybe he didn't feel that way, but in the end game, when you look back at it, he had his name changed by Jesus Christ. He had his name changed by the Messiah, by God in flesh. And you read through the Gospels, and you read that Peter was one of the first people to genuinely confess that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. His blunders were big, but his faith was bigger. We can give him credit for that. And as I spoke about the Mount of Transfiguration, yeah, he had a mistake while he was on there, but hey, he was there. That's an honor. You think about this. When Moses and Elijah are manifest there and Jesus' appearances had changed, you have three amazing characters before him, and the only people there to witness it are Peter, James, and John. Yeah, he spoke up when he shouldn't have, but he was there. What an honor. What a glorious thing. And one story that I think is oftentimes shown as a mistake by Peter, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as amazing. A miraculous thing is when Peter walks on water. Jesus walks on water to meet them out on the boat, and Peter calls out to him and says, Lord, if it is you, call me out onto the waters. And Jesus says, come. And the scriptures tell us that he steps out of the boat, begins to walk, and then gets nervous by the waves and begins to sink. And people go, oh man, he lost focus on Jesus. He began to sink. I ain't seen any of you guys take even one step on the water. This is, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. I mean, yeah, he did lose his focus on Christ, but the scripture tells us he begins to walk. Listen, when you have a baby who's learning to walk, they might take one step and you're like, oh, he took one step, yay, let's put it on, on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. You might count that as walking, but for an adult, one step is not walking. I imagine he took several, at least five steps, right? Otherwise, he's falling over and you're thinking, man, what's wrong with you? He walked on water. Anybody else done that? Peter did some amazing things. Despite his blunders, despite his mistakes, despite his shortcomings, God still used him in amazing ways. Let this be a lesson to us that we're kind of dumb. <laughs> it's just the truth. All of us, I'm not pointing out anybody, I'm including myself. We make mistakes, we say stupid things, we make decisions that have lasting impacts. But God says, I can still use you. 
I still have a destiny for you. I still have a plan I want to carry out for you. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I love to look at Scripture and think about what it says and also think about what it doesn't say. And this scripture doesn't say, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ unless you mess up too much. Unless you make some poor choices. No, this text tells us if we stay faithful to Christ, he will stay faithful to us. The only reason why the work in Christ isn't completed by His power is because we walk away from it. That is the one mistake that He can't work with. You see, through all of this, this is Peter's journey to his destiny. This is Peter's journey to his purpose, to his calling, to the reason why God set him aside. And he spent years under Jesus being prepared for his destiny, for his calling. And Peter didn't, still to this point, to the day that Jesus was hung on the cross, didn't know what it looked like, didn't know what it was, but he was faithful. And he was willing to put in the work to be ready to fulfill the call when Jesus brought him to it. You see, he spent time serving and learning with Jesus Christ, being a disciple, and this was undoubtedly part of his destiny. This was certainly part of his calling. But Jesus had even more for him than that. After Jesus had died in resurrection and, and, and send, ascended back into heaven was really the beginning of what Jesus wanted to do with Peter. You see, Jesus was one of the most, if not the most prominent leader in the early Christian church after Jesus went back to heaven. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, that is God, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Each and every one of us here this morning, we have works that God has set aside for us. We have a destiny that God has for us. Jesus personally discipled Peter and had works for him. Jesus was, I mean, sorry, Peter was instrumental in the beginning of the Christian church. I mean, Jesus raised from the dead. And he basically told the apostles, listen, I'm going back to heaven. You guys got it from here. The Holy Spirit's going to help you. Bye. <laughs> and they're like, uh, okay. So that's what happened. You see, after Jesus ascended was really perhaps the most crucial part. All that Peter had been through everything that he had experienced, the mistakes and the good things, the lessons and the discipline from Jesus Christ all come to this point. Jesus is gone. He's given us a task and now we have to carry it out. And now Peter is ready and prepared by the power of the Holy Spirit to achieve his destiny. You read in the book of Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit falls upon the apostles. When they are empowered by God, the first thing Peter does is he stands up in front of a large crowd and he preaches a sermon off the top of his head. I'd love to be able to do that. I'd take a long time preparing these. He preaches a sermon to a random crowd of people and the Bible tells us that 3,000 men and their children were added to the church that day. Oh, the beginning of Peter getting it. This is what Jesus has called me to. He doesn't know still the next day. He doesn't know what's next. But on that day, something clicked with Peter, I will tell you. Oh, this is what Jesus, this is what he taught me. This is why he showed me these things. All of the mistakes I learned from those, all the things that Jesus taught me, I get it. 
I get it. And you read the book of Acts and many miracles are performed through Peter. I mean, amazing miracles. Jesus said himself, when I leave, you guys are going to do the same things that I did and even better. And it's true. We read it in the book of Acts. Peter does just that. Miraculous healings, even people being raised from the grave. He is a key leader in the church. He is fundamental in the doctrine of the early Christian church. Many of the things that we believe, that we read in the Bible, that we hang our theology on, branches from his leadership in the Christian church. But he didn't know any of that. When Jesus came to him and said, your name is Simon, but now you are called Peter. None of that crossed Peter's mind, I guarantee you. You know, Peter even went on to write two books of the Bible. This man, Peter, that we read about in the gospel, he's very bold, but yet he's a bumbling fisherman. He makes his mistakes. He says dumb things. But over this course of discipleship, over the course of his life, he is transformed by God so that he can achieve his destiny. He goes from a fisherman. We're not talking about some dude who's probably already good with his words. You, know, you, you find these people that are just naturally charismatic and you're like, man, God could do awesome things with him. That was not Peter. That was not Peter. He was a fisherman. Jesus called him to be a disciple. And he ends up becoming an apostle and a leader in the early church. And miracles take place by him allowing God to use him. I guarantee you, at no point in the book of Acts did the thought even cross Peter's mind. Man, I miss being a fisherman. I kind of regret doing this whole apostle thing. Even if he loved it, even if that was his dream job, I guarantee you he never looked back and thought, you know what, the plans I had for myself were better than what God brought me through. And that, that thought didn't even cross his mind as he was hanging upside down on a cross, dying as a martyr. Not a regret, not a single regret. You see, just like Peter, just like the other disciples, God has a calling for each and every one of us. God has a destiny for all of us. Will we allow God to do in us what he needs to do? Will we allow God to shape us and mold us over a course of time to bring us to a destiny that we don't even know what it is? Maybe we like our life now. Maybe things are good. Maybe we got the things lined up. Maybe we have our plans. But just like Peter, we will find that whatever God can bring us to, whatever God can take us through in our life is far better than the own plans that we can make. We just have to stay the course. We have to be diligent. And we have to be pre prepared to endure some things. Church, the process of destiny takes time. Listen to this. Jesus did not tell Peter, all right, dude, I'm changing your name. You were once Simon, now you're Peter. And then immediately after, he didn't tell him or show him why he was doing this or what it would mean. He didn't tell him of the amazing things that God would do through him or even the difficult things that he would endure. But he simply showed Peter the starting line. He said, listen, here's the first step. Are you going to follow me? Here's the next step. Are you still there? I need you to make this decision. Are you still with me? It is a step-by-step -step process. Jesus is not going to show you the finish line. Listen, I don't know what God has for you guys, but you can't handle the finish line. I can't either. God's not done with me. But we must be faithful, step-by-step, -step, 
everything that God calls us to, can we be obedient even when it doesn't make sense? He didn't give Peter the finish line. He didn't tell him, listen, dude, someday you're going to lead the early church. You're going to write two books in the New Testament, and you don't even know what that means. And you're going to see people healed, and you're going to see miracles. He didn't tell him any of that. He just said, follow me. And things are going to get interesting. Psalms 138, verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. This is a statement in faith that when I stay true to God, he will carry out in me what he wants to do. God is faithful to fulfill his purposes in us when we remain faithful to him. Peter went through some difficult times, and so will we. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. This verse that I just read right here wasn't even written when Peter saw 3,000 added to the church. But I guarantee you that thought was going through his mind. He goes, man, all of that work, all of that difficult times, all of the lessons This is the harvest. This is what Jesus has called me to. Through the ups and the downs, through the good and the bad, we must not grow weary in following Jesus Christ. And just like Peter in the book of Acts and for the rest of his life, our time will come when we realize this is what Jesus was doing in me. This is what he was working on in me. I get it now. Our time will come, but the question is, are we listening to Christ? And then are we obedient to Christ? Sometimes my kids listen to me, but they don't do a thing I say. We can't be children like that. When Jesus says, cast out that net, and it doesn't make sense. When he says, give that 10%, and it doesn't make sense. When he says, serve in this area, and it doesn't make sense. Are we obedient? We hear him. But hearing is only part of it. He who hears the word but does not do it. Do we do what Jesus calls us to do? And when we do, just like Peter, God has a destiny and a purpose for us, and we can achieve it. The question is, will we step into that destiny, step by step, moment after moment, day after day, week after week, year after year, Lord willing, decade after decade? Will you step into the process of destiny that God has called you to? Can I have every head bowed and every eyes closed this morning?